0: Lord, thanks for the opportunity to come together as men and to know that uh, despite our failures, Father, you are a God of second chances. And so we see that lived out in some of the passages today where uh, the Lord's disciples failed him, but at the same time, uh, most of them uh, made great use of the second chances that you gave them. So Father, may we be men of second chances who are willing to uh, confront our failures and uh, turn our hearts back to you and make the most of the second chances you give us. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, guys, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, Wagner started this whole deal off with was um, a reference to a program that's been on the Discovery Channel called Surviving the Cut. And uh, I was asked last week by a couple of guys who apparently missed uh, um, that talk that Wagner did at the Men's Breakfast and if you missed it, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to it on Watermark Radio. It's the one on September 9th. But he was talking about this program called Surviving the Cut, and it's about uh, elite schools that the different special operation units of the military put on. And so I want to start today by showing you just a couple of minutes uh, from this program and from uh, Ranger School and what Ranger School is about. So... Let's roll some video.
1: The U.S. military's elite schools turn soldiers into razor sharp weapons. Come on! To become the best of the best, these men go to hell in there. Get lower! I can't see! We're trying to push into the breaking point. This is your life now. You're hardcore! Let's go! Ranger School is considered the hardest combat course on the planet. Keep your face in the mud! To find out who has what it takes, soldiers are forced to their breaking point and beyond. Ah. Ah. To earn the coveted Ranger tab. These men must perform at their very best. Nobody else is going to help you, Adrian. In the very worst of conditions. I feel like a giant piece of toilet paper. Most will fail. Do you quit? quit. We're still here. That's all that right. matters. One in three will survive the cut. Come on! Come on, man. Army Ranger School has a single mission, train the Army's combat leaders. From these ranks will come America's most effective warriors. Any unit whose mission is to engage in close combat can send their best men here. Already they're the cream of the crop, in the best shape of their lives. They've trained hard and they think they know what's coming. But they're wrong. Day 1 of Ranger School, 338 soldiers report to the Ranger Training Brigade at Fort Benning, Georgia. Pass or fail, these men will not be the same when they leave. Over the next eight and a half weeks, most will lose 20 or more pounds. Some will gain a small patch that means everything. Ranger School
0: really is a unique experience for any soldier to come to it is a brotherhood within the army it's a culture within itself less than one
1: percent of the united states army is ranger qualified so it's a pretty exclusive group the ranger tab earns a soldier elite status in the army it can make or break his career
0: you know i've had the privilege of pinning on a ranger tab onto my son's uh, shoulder, and uh, you know, ranger school. Despite, in all these schools, despite being schools for the elite, they're really schools of second chances because he got a second chance when he first reported to ranger school. Um, they send you through an indoctrination period for about three weeks. And so he was all fired up and ready to go. He was in good shape, um, ready for the qualification standards, no big deal. And on the first day of Ranger uh, Indoctrination Program, Ranger Orientation Program, I think they call it for the officers, um, the first thing that they did was push-ups. And I have seen my son do 80 or 90 push-ups before. Well, that day, he could not do 58 Ranger push-ups. And so he was out very first day and you know but it's again it's a school of second chances and so what happened was uh... he went back to his ranger uh... unit and they didn't beat him up for having failed they said alright lieutenant your mission for the next thirty days is to train and we're going to put one of our best guys a guy that had competed in the best ranger competition and he's going to be your training buddy and you guys are going to train for thirty days and so um, Bobby made the most of that second chance that he got. Um, he thought he knew what was coming, but he really didn't. And we see that same thing today uh, in the passages that we've read for this week. Peter and all the disciples think they know what's coming, but they really don't. And so today, let's jump in and look at uh, um, how Peter handles failure. And first, let, let's think about the Apostle Peter. I mean, he's the first guy that any of us thinks about, probably, when we think about the apostles. Because he was the leader of the apostles. Even in Scripture, in three different places, the the apostles are listed. And Peter is always listed first. He was the first among equals. He was the guy that was part of Jesus' inner circle. And we'll see that in some passages we'll read today. He's mentioned by name at least 113 times in the Gospels, more than any other disciple. Probably more than all the rest of them put together. Think about the things that he saw. He saw Jesus healing people. He, With uh, James and John, he was taken into the bedroom of Jairus' daughter, and he got to see what the Lord did to heal her. Uh, He was the one, when they saw Jesus walking on the water... Peter was the one who had the courage to get out of the boat and say, Lord, call me and I'm going to come walk to you on the water. And you know, he got out on the water and he, he was actually walking on it until he looked around and he felt the wind and he took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink, to sink. And the Lord reached out and grabbed him and saved him. He's also the guy that saw the transfiguration. He witnessed the glory of Christ. And when Jesus said, uh, asked His disciples, Who do you say that I am? He was the one that had the right answer to say, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you know what's ironic about that uh, um, exchange right there is that literally within a minute later, after Jesus had outlined, Hey, this is my mission to go to Jerusalem and die. What did Peter do? He said, no, no, Lord, that's not what's going to happen. We're not going to let that happen. He rebukes Jesus. He was a uh, guy of uh, considerable courage. And so let's look, take a look at the bad news and the good news uh, about Peter's failures and how he reacted and how other disciples reacted. We're going to take a look at four different instances when Peter... Um, had opportunities to do the right thing and we'll see how he handled them. The first one's in Luke 22. It's up here on your screen uh, or you can follow along in your Bible. And uh it says Simon Simon behold Satan has demanded pers- permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your strength that your faith may not fail. And you when once you have again turned Strengthen your brothers. He gives him a command. But Peter said to him, Lord, with you I'm ready to go both to prison and to death. I'm ready to die for you, Lord. And Jesus uh, said to him, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you've denied three times that you even know me. And Mark uh, concludes uh, the same passage by saying that Peter kept saying insistently, Even if I have to die, I will not deny you. And Mark also adds the point that all the other disciples were saying the same thing. And so the bad news is that Peter and all the disciples were in Satan's crosshairs. And in that situation, Peter fails to believe what Jesus is telling him, and he fails to listen and to obey. But the good news is that Jesus prayed for him, and he gave him uh, the uh, assurance, just as he told him, you're going to fail, he gave him the assurance that when uh, uh, he had turned back, when his faith had been restored, that he would be the strength that would lead the disciples on. And we see that played out in the book of Acts, as he is the leader of the early church. He and John are the ones who go and stand up before the Sanhedrin and cause them to marvel at how these uneducated men can be so persuasive and articulate in defending the cause of Christ. Okay, the second instance. Uh, from the upper room we move into the Garden of Gethsemane. And in uh, uh, Mark 14, you see, They came to a place named Gethsemane, and He said to His disciples, Jesus said to His disciples, Sit here until I have prayed. And then He took His inner circle with Him. He took Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And He said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. He gave them a simple mission. Two things. Remain here, keep watch. And then Jesus goes off and prays. And when He comes back, what does He find? And He came and found them sleeping, and He said to Peter, He said to the leader, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this happens two more times, and the same thing happens. The Lord comes back, and He finds His guys asleep. And so the bad news is that Peter disobeys Christ in that situation and he misses the chance to pray for himself before uh, the testing that he's getting ready to undergo. And he misses the opportunity to pray for uh, the Lord as the Lord prepares to undergo his ordeal. And so once again, we see a failure of obedience. But the good news is, and really there's not much good news uh, in this uh, uh, little passage, but there is a good word from the Lord about What to do, how to combat temptation. Stay alert and pray. And you know, guys, that's exactly what we talked about last week. Living in Condition Orange says we've got to be alert and we've got to pray. And you know, he didn't take Peter off by himself. He took Peter off with a bunch of guys. And so the other thing besides staying alert and praying is that you got to surround yourself with other guys who will stay alert and pray with you. Okay, the next uh, we see Peter uh, actually living out, condition orange. And it's in Luke 22 verses 49 through51. When those who were around him um, saw what was going to happen, the um, officers of the temple guard and uh, um, the um, leaders uh, had, the religious leaders had come to arrest Jesus. And uh, it says, When those who were around him saw what was going to happen, when the disciples saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, Stop, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. And so who do you think the one who pulled out his sword and started swinging was? Peter. Of course it was Peter. John 18 tells us that uh, it was indeed Peter. And so, again, we see the bad news of where Peter uh, takes the misguided step of trying to stop what the Lord said is going to happen, what Scripture said was going to happen. And once again, Peter is seeking to implement his own plan instead of the plan of God. And so once again, we have a failure to understand and obey the plan of God. And the good news here is that Peter was, in fact, living in condition orange. He was ready. He was the only one who pulled out a sword. And so, you know, he was a a man's man, a guy that had guts. And ultimately, this courage will be put to great use in the early church as he becomes the apostle to the Jews. And the final time we uh, uh, see Peter in uh, the passages is in Luke 22 um, in the denials. And uh, um, I've uh, jumped in in the interest of time just with the uh, the final one. Peter has twice denied even knowing Christ. And so in Luke 22, 62, 60 through 62, we see Peter saying, man, I don't even know what you're talking about when the last guy comes and confronts and says, you're one of them, aren't you? He says, I don't even know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And you know, guys, that was a look not to be forgotten. It was a look probably unlike any other look in history. And so Peter's failure resulted from his fear of man, from his fear of what others would think, from his efforts to protect himself. His self-preservation instincts kicked in, and they weren't particularly good instincts in that instance. But you know, even this failure for Peter is neither final nor fatal. I'm going to read you something that Winston Churchill once said. He said that success is not final, and failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. It's the courage to continue that counts. And you know Peter embodied that. So what does this say for us today? What do we make of Peter's failures And then what Peter ultimately did with that. Well, I want to uh, put two questions to you. And say first, let's look at the difference between how Peter reacted and how Judas reacted. Okay? So Peter, what does he do? After he fails, uh, Scripture tells us that he goes out and weeps bitterly. But then does he run off and isolate himself? No. He goes back to the other disciples. And when you contrast that with what Judas did... Uh, you really see the difference between repentance and remorse. Peter repents, and he turns back to the community uh, of the other disciples. And you know, when the women come on that first Easter morning, where do they find Peter? They find him right there with the other disciples. And Judas, on the other hand, is filled with remorse. He's sorry that, that he did what he did, and he tries to undo it by going to the uh priests and giving back the money and they don't want it and ultimately he isolates and he spirals into self-destruction but remember what Churchill says it's the courage to continue that counts you know God knows that we're going to fail and yet he looks at us and says I am a God of second chances and it's the courage to continue that counts And so how will we look at our failures differently because of Peter's example? Let me suggest three things to you. You know, when Jesus talks, we need to close our big mouths and open our ears and obey. It's not complicated, but it is hard. And we need to remember Peter's example here. um, To repent... And surround yourself with community that will love you well in the midst of failure. And we need to let our failures motivate us to make the most of our second chances. You know, because God is a God of second chances. And the Watermark staff uh, on Tuesday got to see that lived out. I don't know if this is a newsflash to you guys, but the Watermark staff is filled with sinners. Does that surprise anybody? Yeah, well, here I am. I would uh, say along with the Apostle Paul, I am chief among them. (laughs) But one guy on our staff who was a good buddy, uh, who everybody loved, uh, just did something that he shouldn't have done. And in the midst of that, instead of uh, just fessing up and coming clean, he tried to do the same thing uh, that we've seen in Scripture where Peter In denying the Lord tried to protect himself. And this guy tried to protect himself. And so instead of letting the whole truth come out, he kind of let half of it come out. But then, you know, was the book says that your sin shall find you out. And the rest of it was discovered. And that failure to come clean when confronted really um, caused him to forfeit his opportunity to be in a leadership position here uh, on staff. And so, you know, if that was the end of the story, that would be a tragic story. But that's not the end of the story. And so even though he lost his girlfriend and he lost his job, um, he didn't lose his way. Because what did he do? He sat down and he took an honest look at himself. And he um, went to the Lord and said, Lord, I have sinned. And I know that I have sinned. And it's not just the one or two acts it's the fact that I had let myself drift uh, for a year before that. And in the midst of that, he started making recovery. And he surrounded himself with community that was willing to love him well and hold him accountable. And so one year later, almost to the day, one year and two days later, he was back at staff prayer this past Tuesday. And uh, it gave us an opportunity to celebrate the restoration that had occurred in his life. Um, Because he didn't stop what he'd been doing. This guy was all about ministry. And so even in the midst of his failure, he continued to do ministry. He continued to reach out to other people. And you know, uh, some senior staff guys helped him get a uh, job where he has taken it on as a ministry. And he has made a difference in that place because of his willingness to reach out to other guys. So in the midst of this failure, he has come full circle and he has used his second chance well to the point where we got to celebrate as a staff that at some point it may well be an opportunity for him to come back on staff. Uh, There's nothing standing in his way except uh, uh, the right position for him to do so It's such a great story of how God is a God of second chances and how if we will confront our failures and use them to motivate us to do the right thing, to surround ourselves in biblical community and to have an opportunity to deal uh, honestly with ourselves and with our God, make a great difference. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, I celebrate that You are a God of second chances. Thanks for all the ones that You've given me, Father. Yeah, give me the courage to be like Peter and to be like my uh, buddy. And to be willing to um, confront when I fail. To be willing to uh, uh, change the way I live that caused the failure. To be willing to surround myself with community and to dig into Your Word, Father. To pray and to stay alert. And to do the things that enable us to
1: be warriors for Christ. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen.